Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 52 of Little Things for Bonsai People. And this time I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, Carmen Leskovienski. How's it going, Carmen? Pretty good. How are you? And a very special feature with our uh, our editor today, Matt O'Donnell. How's it going, man? It's going all right. Here I am. Yep, there he is. Every once in a while, <laughs> we're going to get Matt on. I know he's uh, he's got a fairly busy schedule, but uh, we figured today we'd put him in there because um, yeah, the last week's episode, we had some really philosophical kind of talk and stuff, and it seemed to hit. Um, and so Matt was like, hey, I, went in on, I want in on in that. Uh, you can take the whole section out. Nope, nope. Matt, leaving it in. We're leaving it in. You got to put a big old bleep out right there because that's not appropriate for the first 15 seconds of the cast. <laughs> um, but no, Matt decided he wanted in on that conversation. So. I'm really sad Mike isn't here because I wanted to give him like a Zoom hug and uh, embrace uh, him and make him feel better <laughs> while he cries himself to sleep about art. Yeah, after the last episode. Before we get to this, uh, <laughs> the topic of today's episode... But to mention that our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com forward slash little things for bonsai people. Head on over there and become a bonsai best bud and hang out in the discord and talk with these amazing people. Uh, become a $5 patron to hang out with Tori Solis, Vicky Off, Boyd Snellgrove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Stappy Chappers. Did I say that one already? Stappy mm-hmm. Chappers. Every once in a while I second guess myself Chappers. on that one. Chappers. Uh, Joel Jenkins, Justin Knight. Facts Hard, Bonsai Australia, Greenwich Gardens, Taylor Peacock, Chase Pertweet, Austin Atkins, Karen Codswell, Urin in Bonsai Garden, Luis Torres, AC Castle, Bonsai Marine, Jazz Potts. I'm going to say Jazz today, like Jazz. Uh, Chris yeah. Fasoon and Timothy Arsenal. Timothy. Timothy. Uh, yep. Our patrons get a shout out at the beginning of every episode. And also... Timothy Arsenal is the founder of the Bonsai Bar. Let's get that ad read in there, Carmen. This podcast is supported by Bonsai Bar, the beginner bonsai workshop popping up in breweries all across the Northeast. Bonsai Bar is two hours of tiny tree goodness disguised as a night out with friends. Come grab drinks, create a new tree, and watch as your friends and family get the bug for bonsai. Bonsai Bar is always looking for teachers and assistants, and you listen to this podcast, so you're probably already qualified. Bring your knowledge out to the bar. Apply today. Find event tickets, contact info, and more at bonsaibar.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bonsai Bar, for supporting our show and being our sponsor. Um, And I can't go much further without mentioning you, Matt. You make us sound smart. You clean up the audio. It's a me. (laughs) Make us sound enjoyable to listen to. You can go over to mattodonnell.com to fill out a contact form and start your own podcast show or an audio engineering project with him. He's a set basis living on a Nash- Nashville, Tennessee, and he's an all-around awesome guy. It's in the script. I say it every time. So. Is that part in the script to say every time, too? So. Yes. So is in there. So it's got, um, it's like, so, period, period. Now start talking about the topic. Um, but no. Uh, yeah. So we were talking about the way of seeing things apparent, uh, like, not apparently, but more close in line with uh, art versus uh representation or reference points and i believe that you matt wanted to add a few things to it uh yeah i mean i just sort of wanted to like there were things that i heard in there that sound awfully close to the way um you know music operates and stuff like that and like the kind of stuff that i work on 
as well. And, um, you know, it was actually, it's funny, it started sort of before the uh, the last podcast happened. Um, Mike had posted something on Instagram talking about a tree and, like, focusing on it or something. Uh, let me see if I can find it real fast without taking up a bunch of time. Not like I'm not going to be the person cutting out the extra time anyway. Yeah. Um, Creating work for yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said something to the effect of, like, the thing that we think about in music a lot is, like, especially in recording and making records, the first mission all the time is to serve the song rather mm. than, like, trying to put your thing on it, which I know is counterintuitive to what Mike was talking about on the last episode, but there's sort of, like, a synergy there. I'm a, like, big sucker for balance, hey. you know? And so thinking about, like, serving the, not product, product isn't the right word, but, like, serving, like, the purpose, but also, you know, instilling, like, your own confidence in it rather than necessarily ego or things like that is, like, a big thing. But the other thing that really struck me was when he was talking about, um, you know, talking with Laurent and saying how um, he was talking about how, like, te- you know, technique has to be impeccable before you, like, go off the off script too hard. And it made me think of the uh, the composer Arnold Schoenberg, who, um, you know, was the, like, forefather of atonal and, like, weird music outside the structure of, like, tonal music. But if you studied with Schoenberg, you people went to him to learn how to be, you know, avant-garde and stuff like that, but he wouldn't let you learn anything about that until he had taught you, like, total mastery over traditional music. Mm. And so that was really the sort of thing that, like, spurred that. And then, you know, Mike talking about whether or not he thought that he was truly creative versus just applying technique. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a really abstract thought in itself really is like you know what is being creative and that was like where we had come to it for a moment there was like what is art what does it really sure. mean or how do we even create it um so yeah it, well since i don't so since i don't know like why don't the two of you take this opportunity to tell me what you guys think of as the like the short version of like if if someone were to ask you at a cocktail party what the idea of art in bonsai is like what would you say well since i go to so many cocktail parties well but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um carmen you want to you want to take it first and then i'll kind of take what you said and make it <laughs> steal some of your ideas yeah you can sit there and that's fine i i think a lot of it is kind of what i've kind of hinted to before with mike at the last episode of art in bonsai there's maybe two ways to look at it um one being kind of like what uh cosmic bonsai does which is straying from all of the traditions or choosing some traditions to break and doing something a little bit different but using but in a way that's appropriate right so you're still creating balance you're still using traditional techniques essentially to create something that you know, maybe doesn't look like a traditional bonsai, but could fall in that realm. You're displaying it in a way that is reminiscent of traditional bonsai. Um, so I think there's that kind of art, which is like kind of breakaway, finding this new thing. And then I think there's also art in perfecting the tradition. So Dang. the super, super 
perfect what you would expect a bonsai to look like right like the the look of the black pine or the juniper that's done so meticulously well and displayed in such a way that really like embodies what you imagine bonsai being i think there's an art in achieving kind of that level of perfection as well so i think there's kind of two ways to look at art and bonsai um so tradition and the just the the kind of breakaway stuff does that make sense but I'm trying to think more, too, because I think there's probably more to it. Oh, there's always more to it. But off the top of my head, that's like my that's my quick answer. Yeah, I was going to say I would ask you if there is less to it. For, um, the or an easier question is, uh, <laughs> especially as someone who like doesn't know you know anything about this at all. Like, would you say that traditional traditional bonsai is inherently art at all? Yeah. Mm. Um. I think so because it it I mean it's so hard because people always have this art versus craft debate and like at what point does a table or a chair become an art versus the craft of woodworking you know I think that there's a really big gray area here where you know some people might just see it as applying technique where other people see it as art um I think there's art in wait can you repeat the question (laughs) i asked if you thought that there was if there was art inherently in traditional technical bonsai yeah i think so i mean there's art or there's art there's balance there's harmony there's all these different pieces that have to come together to make a composition even though you're trying to show what a tree you know it's a abstraction of a tree in nature so there's some human element of creation there um i so yeah i think it's inherently art yeah what about like the word expression i think that that is like i think that that in some way is the thing that like Mm -hmm. applying art versus craft like is it expressing something you know i was gonna say intention because intention is big in yeah so many things but like you know expression was more the word that i'm a super nerd for words so no i think that's that's really i love the semantics of it because i think um, I don't know that the Japanese I I would love to talk to one of them about this and if when they go into creating bonsai if they're looking to do any kind of personal expression or if they're trying to create a statement because I think we do a lot of that here in the states um, so I it's, it's hard to say hmm. um, I have something to kind of add on to that it's like about how there could be in Japan there could be hundreds of that same looking Japanese black pine or satsuki azalea and you see rows and rows of them this was kind of referring back to the Mm -hmm. oh there's that one with that weird branch but there's also this other aspect that I'm starting to see pop up in uh, American bonsai a good bit is um, there's not a lot of people producing in America this is going to be North American bonsai not really other places I see see this every once in a while like kind of in european bonsai you'll see like a lot of the same trees but uh for some reason we're a little bit more into making individuals than they are in japan like Mm -hmm. in in north america i've seen so many different takes and then one of the things that happens a lot here and i'm guilty of this too is like we'll make our rendition of that and then we'll just suddenly go off and make uh some something we're like this is unique and then we'll give it a name um, which just you know like is that appropriate because then that's like 
that's I mean that's how a lot of people label art is like if it's a piece of art then it has to have a name sometimes it you know some high pieces of art don't have names it's like it's like number one number two number three mm-hmm. um and I and I know uh like for instance like Walter Paul he does that a little bit where he's like here's uh you know here's Carpinus number one number two number three and he's mm-hmm. he's got a lot of them and they look similar in a way but by naming them it's kind of given them a little bit more of an I, I like identification in you know time frame uh how many up to this point did it take him to do this particular style with this tree and now this is the 29th take of that and now you can see the tra- like a progression mm-hmm. or what, what whatever you want to say um, that is uh that's also true of classical music like yeah. you know, that's true. Passages. when you think about like symphonies like you know Mahler symphonies like they're just numbered they have nicknames but that has come like kind of colloquially not through the composer's own naming of them they just have yeah. you know most things are it is you know this person's symphony number this in this key and that's all you really get in the titling of it hmm and that's what's interesting about orchestra music to me, and you can tell us more about this, Matt, is uh, is like a lot of people don't think about this, but classical orchestra music, they don't sit there with like a name or like, obviously, obviously there's not lyrics unless you're doing like some kind of chamber or something where there's stuff added. Um, but it's all about feeling and flow and soundscapes, correct? About uh, what, what you're to trying to some paint. degree, I the thing that fascinates me about classical music often is that, like, very rarely or definitely in the minority, is it open for interpretation. Like, hey. the piece exists in classical music very much on the page. You know, obviously right. people memorize things, but like they that work exists to be reproduced. Yeah, that's not really cool. You know, yeah. there's you know very little improvisation with exceptions of course if people are listening to this and they know a lot about classical music obviously i'm leaving out things like you know what we call figured bass which is on an organ like just giving like a roadmap for the way that like the feet pedals on an organ work and stuff like that that is improvised very much so but like in symphonic music like they're just reading off the page and now you can listen to you know 20 different versions of a Bach piece and you know performed by different people and you will say that they all feel a different way but in their content they are you know exactly uniform yeah um that's interesting for I like the part when you said that they're written to be reproduced in some way um that's that kind of makes me think how we can relate it back to the bonsai perspective is that the Japanese model was made to be reproduced so that might be one way to kind of help to like give us a better springboard into how to take what we typically would you know feels like you're just reproducing the same image over and over with uh, the left and right branch and you know movement into the crown of the tree but like Matt you were saying with the classical uh music model is like these songs are written for people to perform them again and again and bonsai is kind of just that that way it's like the design model is to be performed again and again and eventually over time we'll find a nuance in that tree and that that might be the thing that sets it apart 
Um, it's either that, or I think we get to a point where the tree has gotten so old that now the mochikome exists and then the tree becomes unique because of age as well. So is, is that kind of a thing that you agree with Carmen as far as reproducing? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, we're, I mean, and we're not trying to create it exactly, but like you said, the different styles or the, you know, having that kind of rule book in place gives us the opportunity to be able to recreate it. Um, the thing that Matt said that really got me was that it may be played by, like the music may be played by 20 different people, but each one's going to feel different. And I feel like that right there. So if you have 20 semi-cascade junipers each made by a different person they're all going to feel different even though they're all going to be cascade junipers and i think there's something in that as well that can relate back to bonsai so maybe we're overthinking it yeah the (laughs) the classical music thing really (laughs) simplifies it in a way um i'm glad that that we could add that in there as like as a thought you know um Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like where do I go with this branch? And you're putting it in that certain space and you're like, okay, this is where it belongs. But is this where it belongs on my rendition of this style? Maybe move it this way or that or compress it or elongate it. You know, that's going to give it a little bit more of that, you know, that next thing that kind of moves the tree forward from just that, that style over and over. So, well, and in five years, you might decide to move it to the other side of the tree or change your front. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of always evolving. And I, I think part of it, too, maybe where our struggle is, is that we haven't hit that point of mastery yet. Like, I know I'm still struggling through wiring and styling and, you know, I'm not able to just go out and create something totally new. So um, I know Mike's been trying to, you know, he's been saying he's trying to create this perfect algorithm to make this perfect tree and that's a hard thing to do and you know once you get to that mastery level maybe only then can you really start to break away Mm -hmm. i mean how much mastery do you need you know they people can go their entire lives uh doing this of course or Mm -hmm. you know like um but when do they when is the breakaway because i mean there's there's a yeah. there's a couple of people that I know of in in music. I listen to uh, every once in a while. I listen to like uh, Matt. Have you heard of uh, Chris Tilly? Uh, yeah, um, Chris Tilly is one of my favorite musicians. He's he's amazing, and yeah. um, and he's he started out as a ch- uh, like a child musician. Yep. Um, and then he played in Nickel Creek, and then mm-hmm. he went on to do Punch Brothers. That's right. And then he's gone on to do like his own expressions of classical or- orchestra music um with with like fe- other featured amazing you know players um and so when did his mastery come i mean no he's been practicing since he's been a child but i mean i i have i mean it would require listeners to be ultra familiar with his catalog i mean i know every work Thiele has ever done um have yeah. listened to them you know hundreds of times but i would say that his mastery of mandolin playing not because i recently watched a a master class he gave with a couple of vocalists about how to sing together like how people like sing together and he would say that he you know and this is ridiculous in its own way but that he would say that he's not a singer 
Um, I've heard that before. That, uh, but really, I think that there's. I guess it's a question of, of really for someone like Thiele, like at what point, you know, does being considered by your peers to be probably the finest mandolin player in the world living at least, um, does that make you a master? Like, can you be at the pinnacle and not be a master in some sort of way? I mean, I mean, I, I think maybe where I'm thinking of mastery comes in is when you don't have to think through every every brand, you know, where it starts to come naturally, where you're able to perform the techniques without having to struggle through the techniques. Not necessarily that you are the best of the best, but that you started to master some of those skills where it becomes muscle memory and, you know, you can just do it without having to think through it too far. But I mean, you'll talk to people who have been like even the professionals Michael Hagedorn you know Jonas like all these people are going to still say like oh I'm not a master like they don't want to be called that because they're still learning as well but it's a it's a constant I think with art it's a constant progression but at some point you get to that level where you're not learning the skills anymore you're not you know, trying to perfect your technique, you have the technique. So now you can move on to whatever is next, that next thought of design or art or, you know, whatever, whatever comes after that. Yeah. But I would say to that sentiment that every baseball player still has to do drills at spring training every year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, even the highest paid, you know, and like the person that won the most valuable player the season before is still Mm -hmm. running ground ball drills come mm-hmm. March. So, yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, it would be hard to argue that those people are not masters in that field. Mm-hmm. And so I think and, that there's always some, I mean, and I think that that way as a musician too, like mm-hmm. I probably for the past year or so, I've been in a terrible habit of not really doing much bass practicing and I can feel it, you know, mm-hmm. like I can feel that in my hands when I play, like it, I'm still not like ruining gigs through being sloppy, but like, you know, I know that it could be that much better. Mm-hmm. You know, yet I've been a professional, you know, full time employed bass player for fifteen years at this point. Right? And, yeah, you can just never stop, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, and again, some of that comes down to intentionality and you know maintenance mm-hmm. and things like that. And you know, uh, man, I was going to say something else, and then I I had said about the um about the classical thing oh you were talking about cult about like japanese culture would say this and then kind of being about how americans produce a more individualistic style uh which leads me to the question of if you don't live and abide your life by a culture are you bound to it in its wow. in its productivity I mean, like, can American bonsai really be equivalent to Japanese bonsai because American practitioners are not steeped instinctively in that? That's that's a that's a really good question because I mean, there, I'm not saying that there aren't Japanese bonsai professionals that try to produce stuff that you would see similar to a uh, Japanese not. bonsai garden, 
there are a few. Um, I don't know a, I don't know a bunch on top of my head. I know, you know, I know a few that you would go to their gardens. Uh, for instance, I mean, the first person I think of is like with Jonas, where he produces Japanese black pines from seed, and so he's got a no. model that he builds those trees off of, and he's got a lot of you know, formal, informal uprights, cascades, uh, windswepts or literatis, and he's kind of got them categorized and been producing these for years. And so, but then the other guys are doing more individual stuff. And so that is a really tough thing to say. Um, and I do not want to be the, you <laughs> yeah, know, that's a minefield. I, I know that it's a minefield to ask it in the first yeah, place. You put your foot straight in your mouth, uh, in certain, certain aspects of that. Um, but I'm not I'm not in the echo chamber, so I get to come in and just throw a hand grenade and be like, oh, no, no, no. You know, that, no, I love that. I think that's great. Um, I mean, I don't I don't think that American bonsai is never going to be Japanese bonsai. There's growing up in Japanese culture. There are just things and words and traditions and just bits of this culture that we will never get because we didn't grow up that way. We don't absolutely. have the same understanding of um of that culture so how we do and understand bonsai is always going to be different and i think we can take the techniques and we can learn the techniques and apply them to the best of our ability to create something that looks like japanese bonsai and we can spend a ton of time you know learning japanese culture but i think unless you're actually there and in it all the time you just you you're probably never going to to you know, you're not going to do Japanese bonsai just because you're not Japanese, but or you you weren't raised in Japan with that sure. culture. Um, yeah, I certainly don't think do that. Path. Oh, I was going to mm-hmm. say I don't think that it's genetic. Like that's not what I'm suggesting. Right. Oh, is like right. a, yeah, no, you know, a, it's not genetic. It's just it's just a, a matter of of yeah, you know, full I mean, immersion. Hearing the word wabi sabi, we don't have anything that directly translates. You know that we it's it's a feeling more than a word for us um so like we might not ever be able to fully grasp what that means just because in our culture we don't have really that idea so um it's i think it's just that kind of thing that's going to always divide you know bonsai of the world versus japanese bonsai but i think the techniques translate and so we can kind of create our you know to our best understanding something that is similar to what's happening there Uh, i think the only word i can think of that we use to describe things that are old uh is patina (laughs) kind of the only word that comes to mind unless there's some other i mean you guys know how awesome i am with uh with my first language um understanding (laughs) um but uh but no i patina is a decent word for describing it, but I feel like that's that's used a little bit more way of like antique and inanimate objects is mm-hmm. more what that is. Um, yeah. There's also like the the weather worn kind of like passages of time kind mm-hmm. of look, but there's no one word to describe that because whenever it's like a time space phenomenon instead of a <laughs> yeah, well because. Um, one thing that gives me the feeling that 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 wabi sabi is is like if I'm because I'm in the south southeast American. There's a lot of old barns, uh, very 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 like sun beaten, uh, painted old barns that you can just. There's no denying that that's old, and also you can see the craftsmanship and some of the old farm tools laying around. 
Um, and you pick up those items and someone's like, oh, that has a good patina to it. But then patina is kind of like, it makes me think of a little bit like, what's the value of it? Mm-hmm. And that's not a that's not a thing that they use in, in bonsai too often. It's, you don't say that's got wabi-sabi and then someone's like dollar signs. Like, mm-hmm. like patina feels like that is too aimed at that kind of... Um, yeah. So, I mean, if there's another word if you guys can think of, but I, that's the only one that comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm. I, know, I looked it up. I mean, because I, I am... I know the word, but I just wanted to look it up. And this definition here is uh, a surface appearance of something grown beautiful, especially with age or use. That is for patina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's probably the closest we got unless, I mean, uh, I know the people in the Discord have been uh, very active. They've been really into these long-winded kind of talks with this. And if you guys pick up on that, if there's a word y'all can think of, just slip it in there and tag. Uh, me, Carmen, Mike, Matt, and we can refer back to it. Um, but yeah, I would love to get some better words uh, to use when describing bonsai, uh, especially since we're talking about like American culture and bonsai. It's going to be different as it develops, you know, undeniably, because I mean, just with the way that like European bonsai, I think is beautifully developing into their own culture of how they style their trees. Yep. And they're they're ahead of us. I think they're ahead of us by, by like a couple of decades. Yeah, I'm, I would if, say. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, some of the stuff there, it's very distinct. You can see the way that they're approaching it. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think it's moving along. Um, but it'll, it'll never be Japanese, you know, like <laughs> it'll be Japanese influenced forever. Um, but you know, Japan only got bonsai after Beijing kind of like came and went uh in vogue so um and paging still exists but you know uh but bonsai is still a a weird thing that we're all kind of still guessing at in a way like that so i don't know Mm -hmm. i've struggled with it a lot in conversations surrounding um like you know cultural appropriation i'm gonna go there like for a while i was like wait am i even supposed to be doing this but because it's you know it's being encouraged and shared from a lot of the Japanese artists um mm-hmm. you know it's it seems like it's an art that wants to be shared and wants to be explored and um you know that's given me some more confidence in in doing bonsai but there was a time where I questioned whether or not I should even be you know trying it but I think it's it's beyond that point at you know now um, a little too deep now <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But also, like you know, it's it's become a worldwide thing. It's not just that we we've seen this thing and we're trying to copy it or take it or something like that. Now it's a whole worldwide phenomenon that we're pe- that's bringing people together. So I think um, it's so funny that it's so worldwide now, and there's not another name for it because some things that get around do get they do develop new names um, uh-huh. when it changes hands in different cultures too. Um, and bonsai is just not one of those things. It's very weird to me. Um, yeah, I would yeah. say I think that um, in to talk about something like cultural appropriation, which I mean, I would be, you know, pretty at the front of the pack of being like, no, this is worth considering. But one, I think that I think that awareness, you know, like awareness versus ignorance is such a big key. Mm-hmm. And a couple things about that are like really that respect is a big part of that. Yeah. And I think that if you or I would imagine that if 
there were to be an established, you know, American style of bonsai. Like eventually if that develops and, and someone like can like look at a tree and say, oh, that's an American expression of that. Uh-huh. If the bonsai artists who are Americans also respect the different like forms around the world, like then that's not problematic. That is right. problematic. And also like understanding history and things like that. Um, you know, uh-huh. Americans have a hard problem with history sometimes because, you know, our history, if we go by it defining us, is only 250 years old. Whereas yeah. if you go other places, you're talking about thousands of years and, uh-huh. you know, they are required to know those things at that depth. And like we don't have, you know, you, uh, Carmen, were talking about space and time and like that's a whole thing. Yeah. too. Like our perception of historical space and time via our culture is relatively small Uh and so it takes a like using the spare rooms of your mind to fill up things like understanding historical context for things and development and respect those things in your change of them which is some of the same thing about talking about like the cosmic bonsai thing of Laurent saying like that you need to have solid technique you know, because people are going to want to, you know, know that at the end of the day. It's no different than, I mean, um, my wife is a chef and, you know, like, so we're both really into fine dining and talking about, like, you know, if you have a great dish that's full of, like, incredible flavors and all these things, but the, you know, and it's like a slice of, like, a pork loin, but if that pork loin's overcooked, then, like, no matter how creative it is, it's a shitty dish. Uh-huh. And so, like, I think that applies in a lot of different, you know, spots, too. It's no different than, like, there is something about music, too, where it's like, a song can be great, and maybe there's a little more wiggle room in this because I can think of so many examples, but, like, if something's out of tune, something's out of tune, uh-huh. you know? And, like, that's yeah. hard to, like, ignore and stuff uh-huh. like that. So, like, having a, a respect for things and in the branching away from them I think is like a big step and yeah again that's, and that's like intention and things like that and uh-huh. that's one of the the places that I struggle with because I love when people do things outside of the rules and outside of the box and try something different but I feel like it has to be within a certain range of appropriateness because you can go too far and you kind of sense this I don't know if it's a lack of respect but it almost gets kitschy you know Yeah. but there's a way to do it that really also works so finding kind of that balance of doing something different to break away versus doing something different for the sake of just doing something you know yeah, yeah. so you guys feel feel good about that? I think so. I mean, yeah. we're not going to solve these problems. No, 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 no. I mean, oh, yeah. know, we're at a we're at a point where, yeah, um, we're kind of we're letting Tapping it in circles. No, it's we're letting it kind of <laughs> melt down into a easier. I'm not going to lie. I re-listened to that episode twice. That section of it that we were talking with Mike about, um, you know, all this stuff because it's. I don't know. That's it's where a lot of my interest in bonsai lies is this kind of philosophical part of it and the cultural um, 
how it relates to, you know, to us in different ways and to different people in different ways. And so, I don't know, I could just go and, deep dive it forever. It's pretty fun. Well, and we've had a lot of uh, positive feedback on these these types of content episodes. Um, and I mean, we'll just, just for our listeners, if this is your first episode, I've said this in the past, I'm just like, sorry if uh, <laughs> you're getting into this show and you're like, Oh, beginner bonsai podcast. Uh, oh, what? What? <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, just know that uh, this has been something, and this is this is part a big part of reason why I wanted to start doing this show is that I've wanted to bring, you know, myself and my bonsai friends, and uh, and Matt's a great outside perspective, so he'll bring Matt into the mix too, and and we can talk about these things and then we can talk about techniques and species and forms and have guests and then we can bit revisit these these types of conversations every once in a while and see how we approach it as we go on with time uh time's only going to really gauge how you know how you hear us talking i mean down the line hopefully our visions and our in our uh the way that we approach bonsai will change because that's kind of one of the things that i'm kind of getting from these types of conversations and other conversations I've had with multiple other people who practice bonsai and other arts. I love uh, mixing in other art forms in here too. And we, sh- we should do this more often where we have Matt's uh, musician uh, perspective and we should get other people that do other art forms like maybe a ceramicist and a painter um, and other people like that just so they can kind of share the process because, I mean, there really is, it's all process and some arts may not look like process arts but i feel like because of the way we talked about mastery earlier with uh talking about uh chris what, how do you say his last name Feely. Feely. Yeah. yeah by the way if anybody out there likes music just in general please go look up his stuff i mean chris and then his last name is uh t-h-i-l-e yep that's right um yeah go look him up uh i know there's a lot of bluegrass playing in there but bluegrass is kind of the foundation of american music Super so fun. don't judge it um yeah it's really awesome music uh but yeah like refer back to that kind of stuff again and again and then you know check in with us maybe months from now year from now see how how (laughs) we feel about these conversations but um would you guys want to do a couple of uh listener critiques and questions real quick i know matt uh, don't don't feel like you're out of place because I no, think I an outsider's pers- yeah, outsider perspective is also key in my opinion. Me and Carmen have talked about yeah, this. Yeah, I, I love having other folks on who, especially other artists or, you know, people in adjacent, you know, kind of fields just to discuss the, I don't know, the things that we might not necessarily think about or to find those connections between the arts or the processes and all of that stuff. So Yeah, I mean, I would say about that, like, uh, feel is also a good word in a lot of this as like mm-hmm. we, like transition from that conversation into this because like the only thing that I can think to do of like you know being involved in a tree critique with you guys is like look at these and think how they make me feel mm-hmm. and, then, and then of course you know it becomes a thing of like if I see something that's like way different as someone who doesn't you know really know what it is I'm looking at you know uh, mm-hmm. I think that some people who are like you know, have blinders on about an art form would be prone to say like, you know, like, no, you're looking at it wrong. And it's like, how do you judge that? You know, unless you're not going to show it to people. Yeah. I think this would be a really good topic to have an episode on actually about how to 
critique trees and how to look at them because I feel there's oh, two very yeah. distinct ways to do it. And one is, you know, your impression. What do you feel? What is it? What's your what's the impact? And then the other is, OK, strictly speaking, based on quality, where does it fall on the scale of quality? Because you can really like something and it can rank like a three or a four, you know, out of ten. Or there can be something that's, you know, the perfect tree and it gives you nothing, you know, you're just like, yeah, that's yeah. nice, but whatever. So I think well, it's an important distinction to make. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, this is like the music producer in me coming out in the way that like I work with people who are trying to, you know, that like we're working on a record or songs or something like uh, yeah. unless something like even if something like this exists, I would challenge you guys to like come up with something like this. Like, imagine you were doing a Bones Eye show that, yeah. you know, that's just local and you had to come up with a pamphlet to give people mm. who know nothing about Bones Eye mm-hmm. of, like, what they should be looking at. Like, Jot, jotting that down. Yeah. Like, Matt's what would be guy. on, like, a one, yeah, like, on a one, on a one sheet, like, mm-hmm. what is the, like, what are the things that not necessarily are instructive, but, like, more... With as little with, with as little technical information as possible, like how mm-hmm. how a a tree should affect, you know, a an observer. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, think about that. Nice. No, I like that a lot. Um, and maybe we can use that that rating chart. We can come up with our own because I've I've heard a couple of different professionals and other people who do boneside judge trees and have like a very particular way they judge them at shows or the way they approach them. And so I think Little Things needs its own kind of categorization or judging yeah. uh, kind of thing. We're going to start off with uh, with a handful of, of trees. All the trees that we're going to be talking about are going to be on our Instagram. Uh, they're going to be labeled for what episode they are linked to. So in the case of a new listener and they don't get the rhythm of how the show kind of goes with the the critiques, they're on our, our Instagram page. And under the description, I'll tell you exactly what episode we're referring to on these. Okay, so I sent them kind of out of order a little bit, but these are uh, trees from our Discord, and so I went out and made a call for critiques. I was like, hey, guys, don't be shy. I know it's it seems intimidating because we've critiqued a couple of trees that were at the national show. We critiqued trees that were at the ABS show, um, and you know, and then I've got a couple of random ones here and there. But now that everyone's kind of warmed up to it, uh, we've gotten a few trees that. Um, and I said, don't be shy. We, we don't have to look at trees that can be perceived as like showable either. We can give advice on trees that are in, like obviously in development and they just want a little more pointers with their trees. Um, so the first one we're looking at is going to be the porch Lucaria Afro with the tape measure back, uh, next to it. Uh, this one was submitted by Ricky ruins, uh, quite some time ago. And when I did a call for trees, I was like, who's got some critiques. And he was like, oh, I posted a while back, but you, uh, it looks like you overlooked it. I'm like, oh crap! So it's you ignored it on I did, purpose. I did How not ignore it. I did not. Whatever. We're doing it now. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're looking at a um, looks like a previously styled. Uh, it would be into the pre bone size stage. We got a little little cute porch carry apper here. It looks like it's roughly around four and a half inches tall because we got a great um, tape measure perspective there. I uh, I did a call for for a, like an updated image of this tree, but you know we're just going to go ahead and run it and spin in the Discord for a minute. He um, assumed you weren't going to look at it, so why would he send an updated image? <laughs> there you go. 
Wow. <laughs> Y'all, Evan's a jerk. Let's just put that out right now. No. Um, no. This is... I love this species, so it's not like I don't want to talk about Portula Curiafra. I do work with them a lot, um, and I do see a lot of them. And I was told by someone recently that this is actually not suitable for bonsai, and I wanted to like, you know, slap their hand and say, "No, no, you're wrong. Don't ever say that again." You know, mm, like get those words out your mouth. Bonsai. I don't. I it's, don't know what the. So, this is kind of the thing with Portula Afra that I kind of see is like, um. It's like junipers and pines have always kind of looked at like the end all be all like fine high end. And then deciduous trees are always kind of like, you know, there could be really nice deciduous bonsai, but, you know, they're always kind of struggling. They're always, it feels like they're kind of limping behind the pines and the junipers sometimes. They're like, ooh, please let me have a best in show award, (laughs) you know? So they had to give the deciduous trees their own category, best deciduous tree, you know, best uh, winter silhouette show. Um, and then you got tropicals and then you have this whole reign of tropicals. There's beautiful tropicals. There's buttonwoods. There's, uh, uh, I was wiring an Escunbrone earlier and I was having a great time getting scratched, uh, to shit by it. Uh, and there's, you know, we got Desmodium and, and sea hibiscus and all these great species. And it kind of funnels down. And then you have Portrocaria Afro, which is the dwarf jade, sometimes confused as a cactus, but a lot of people don't get to see this tree for what it is. Um, and, you know, and a lot of the trees we see are beginner material because they are very accessible. Um, it's something okay. that's used in a lot of bonsai workshops. It's used in a lot of, uh, beginner, st- like people come to the nursery and they look at, you know, what, what will I not kill? Okay. And I love, I love that question. It's like, um, cause they come in and they're like, oh, what tree will I not kill? How easy is this, is this to kill? That was a question I got. I know I'm kind of talking wide circle again. Um, but I got a question at one of the, I did a, a, a parish fair, what we call a parish, y'all call uh, a county, and other, other uh, places call like a province, whatever you want to call it. Um, I remember I was talking to Laurent, it was like, what do you call a, a section of France? And I can't remember what the word he used was. It's, uh, uh, I, think it, I can't remember, I'm sure other people in other countries are laughing at me right now, uh, but we call it the parish. So I was like the parish fair, and um, these this, this woman came up to me and she was like, how easy is it to kill this? And I was like, what a question. You know? I mean, how badly do you want to kill it? Because it can be a lot easier <laughs> if you really want it to die. Now, yeah, I was like, I mean, if you're intentional. You can run it, it over is, with your car. Like, yeah, that's pretty it. fast. But like, if you're talking like, how long can you slowly let it die on your windowsill? That's a different story. Yeah. And that was funny to me is because like, it's like, it's like, um, even with Portugal Carrier Afra, I mean, you could run it over here with your car, but as long as there's like pieces that it are probably still, would still grow. Exactly. Yeah. If there's pieces still together. <laughs> you just multiplied it by a hundred is what you've done. Yeah, you squish it and it has every branch and leaf, it can be something new. So I'm like it's always my favorite question is like, what can you do to this tree to abuse it to the point of just Yeah destruction? How I'm far like, is too far? If you were to say something, Matt. Oh no. Oh, okay. Although um, I was thinking about the amount of times that while I'm listening through episodes, editing them, and I hear one of you say, like, no, don't do that. And it probably, to me, sounds like a very minor thing. <laughs> and it's like, what things are like, no, don't do that, but also won't, like, kill a tree. You know, for because, like, I was showing uh, Carmen, like, a picture of a tree that I was repotting 
uh, just to fulfill like a, yeah, like a couple an hours hour, ago, a couple hours ago, whatever. And it's Yopan Holly, and she's like, "Wow, you can repot that now." And I'm like, "Technically, I can." Well, because... technically, you can repot something whenever, but exactly, I run a bonsai Probably. nursery, and I need to do it now. Yeah, but also, I know how to make it survive. So that's one of the things I always kind of try to clarify with this, especially being a, a beginner's study kind of podcast show is kind of like it's like you know do uh do what i say but it don't do as i do kind of thing but right. like at the same time like i'm going to do my best to explain it but anyway this this porch lucaria um this is obviously fresh stock it's Oops. just gotten done it looks like it's in a twin trunk or uh a two trunk style so i mean it's pretty straightforward here in my opinion uh just make sure that you establish your first branch on this tree. I don't know what they, there's like a branch like next to the tape measure itself. It's a little unclear because this this background is not the best to, to view a, a, a bonsai. Uh, but that branch on the right, it looks like it's trying to become another trunk, which I think is interesting because, you know, now you're going from double trunk to almost like a clump style kind of thing going on here. And I think that's kind of like this is too early to really push the envelope of like uh oh well you should have done this to fix the crown i think the first thing for me to say is make sure you're establishing your style before we look at branches that kind of do weird things like this um this kind of like is that going too far becoming more of a clump or is it trying to be a a a two trunk tree because your trunks are also very similar in in trunk diameter as well there's a little bit of a problem too Um, so make sure we kind of lower at least lower the height of the second trunk that's supposed to be the not the the i guess the the mother daughter kind of style of double trunks make sure that the prominent trunk is taller and stays the tallest i know it's not tall now but the weight of that smaller tree is a little too much too mm-hmm. i agree i think the the tree there or the trunk on the left is a little bit heavy um but i i don't think that you can really make that much smaller without making it to, I mean, because it's already a very small tree. So I would recommend making that center trunk thicker and maybe a little bit taller because the branch on the right, I like it, but I think it's a little bit too heavy um, compared with the the middle trunk. So, but it's overall, it's a really cute little tree. I like the overall, the overall shape of it. The overall movement of it is really nice for a little portulacaria. Mm. Um so I think it's a, a good tree. It just needs a little bit of, of balancing. Uh, you have any questions or any insights, Matt? Um, I like that it's chunky. I think that gives it character. <laughs> like in the in the trunks, you know. Um, yeah, I think, you know, and obviously having no idea what the rules are like, um, that like large branch you're talking about off to the right there, if that yeah. grew out to be like another trunk kind of thing, would give it sort of a like uh, Peter Pan and the Lost Boys treehouse kind of vibe, yeah. like an upper well, level, like an upper deck kind of thing. Um, is this tree like? Would you are you guys considering it like still growing in a way before it's like really like stylized? Yeah, that that was kind of the the beginning of it. Was like this this is still early. Um, the next I was just thinking. Like- I was just thinking there's some leaves off on like the right side or the left side of this photo that like draw the eye way down to like the surface of the pot. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's like, called uh, that's what me and Carmen were referring to earlier. I heard her say weight. When we say there's too much weight, we're referring to a foliage pad or a section being heavy. <laughs> cool. And it does drove our eye because when bonsai, the one thing that we always look at, um, and I love, I lo- I've heard this from a couple of other practitioners, is I love hearing it's like the first thing that us as human beings look at when we see trees is we look at the the alive section of the plant first because we want to see that because if it's dead mm. it's that interesting to us we're like oh that's just a that's just a dried up stick but if it's got green on it our eyes instantly go to it and we're like oh wait there's 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 stuff going on here this is alive you know and so yeah that weight definitely and i mean it's still young i mean yeah i mean i was just thinking of it in terms of like movement like seeing like movement throughout the green in it but that if you if you sort of look at it like right till if you start from where that branch on the right goes off looking at those leaves there like next to the tape measure and then come uh counterclockwise then it seems like those leaves like you're looking too low but again that's why i asked if it was you know not necessarily like composed for style quite yet (laughs) because then i would feel like you'd yeah it's very very young so yeah. like with Dope. the next tree we're going to look at, which is actually the, it's going to be the three point display with the Cusimono, <laughs> uh, the Portulacaria kind of like leaning over it. It doesn't have any leaves. Um, yeah. This is something, I think this is a good transition. So uh, we can talk more with you, uh, Matt, and get some better perspectives from outside on this. Um, yep. Is that every once in a while, uh, tropicals are flexible in this manner. Um, you can defoliate them or just remove all their leaves and really show off form line and any kind of uh ramification or ramifications referring to um bifurcation and the branching that really makes it more look like a, like a tree branch and less like just like a twig sticking out from the trunk yeah. so it gives you the appearance of oh this this is actually a tree in you know like mm-hmm. so it, it kind of sets you up for that so you you guys see the image uh of yeah. the blue backdrop okay so this, this is also list, sorry um, I was going to say, looking through, like, the list of them, I actually found this image to be the most, like, compelling. Mm-hmm. And so this is the, this is the, uh, going to be a really interesting one. I feel like this one's going to drag us out for, for a good while because, uh, this, this is, let me see who submitted this really quick. This is another one of our discord listeners or one of our boneside best buds uh ac castle um so he he used this for the bsf convention i believe that's uh the florida convention um and he has a couple of different images that he submitted of it he's got one where he's got the, the same three-point display but it's like a really moody dark image and he's got another one where he's got the tree it's like it's all like a like an this look concrete like a concrete kind of like stanchion dumpy yeah. thing uh kind of giving it like that you know that really even more mood and i think that's you know like he was like what do you guys think of this and uh he says the statue's name is end of the trail um accent is dead on purpose so the grass is a is a uh browned grass um and he says, have at it, no hard feelings. So um, I know, Carmen, you wanted to say some things, but uh, I want to kind of hear what Matt's 
take on this would be a little bit so we can get that outside perspective and kind of bounce off his ideas and then we can kind of go into it a little bit more yeah so i was just trying to find i know that i've seen i've definitely seen that sculpture before the end of the trail sculpture then um it's you know it is a uh a native american um piece of art not i don't know that the artist is but it it depicts a native american you know person um i almost want to say that it's a beach boys record that um that there's a painting of it on anyway that's neither here nor there um <laughs> the uh what's the term for like the you know that statue and the grass near it so usually whenever you're displaying stuff in a in a display like this in a yeah. professional setting it's either ref- the grass would be a kusamono which means wild grass thing literally uh-huh. um carmen is there a name for like a statuary there is and i don't know it off the top of my head oh ah, well there is a terminology for it but in three to three point display this is done this is done well in the point that everything has its own stand and different elevations so that's that's got a point to it but yeah um really you don't do a kusamono and a statue yeah, it's a little in the same unusual. Display, but I, I can see the, I think there's an intent with how this is displayed that is, in this case, stronger than following whatever the rules are of bonsai display. Yeah. Um. By the way, it is a Beach Boys album. It is the Beach Boys album uh, called Surf's Up, which uh, surprisingly <laughs> has a song on it called A Day in the Life of a Tree. Um. Oh, sweet. But uh, the thing that it- <laughs> I have to look that up. The thing that it gives it gives to me is like I am kind of drawn to that Kusumono and the statue. Um, like the tree is like pointing my attention towards those, maybe. Um, like primarily, and then like I'm referring back to the tree and looking at sort of the way it is. Um, you know, the tree itself kind of gives me like a dragony vibe. Yeah. You know, visually, I mean, those are the things that, like, as I look at this. Oh shoot! I just saw a I dragon missed. in it. I'm never going to unsee that. <laughs> there are Sorry, dragon did I ruin it? Bonsai. Did no, I ruin no. it for everybody? You you enhance the the look of the tree. It's a different perspective. Yeah, look at me go. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but that's sort of. I mean, those are my like initial visceral things. And you know, I mean, obviously seeing this like process my brain went through was seeing the statue knowing I'd seen it somewhere before and then being right about where I'd seen it and then you know watching no I take that back I was obviously looking at the tree first because I mean I'm guesting on a bonsai podcast obviously I'd be looking at the tree first but then Mm -hmm. watching it you know immediately throw my attention because that's sort of like that's a good word for it like that tree like throws or flings my attention at the kusumono and the statue and then, like, I come back to it and see that. But so um, in a moment of synergy here, the thing that I think about this is, you know, of you saying how, like, when we look at trees as humans, like, we're drawn to the, like, alive bits. And, you know, this, until I started looking at trees, you know, because of you guys, I had never considered that bonsai would have no leaves. And so looking at that, like, gives me a different, like, a whole different 
vibe and feeling than looking at something like the last one that had a bunch of, you know, plumpy, fun leaves on it. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing with this is that they're, they have this species. It's the same species as the last plant we just looked at, but mm. they've just taken the leaves off. And so they're using this tree to basically warp the viewer's view of it. It's like, this is no longer Portulacaria. This is something else. This is something a little bit more abstract. They're trying to tell a story a little bit more here. But uh, before I get into that too much, uh, what do you think, Carmen, personally with it? Not personally, but, uh, uh, you know, you know, uh, artistically or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I think, like I, I said before, I think this composition is more of a statement than um, necessarily about the individual bonsai, which uh, is fine. And I think that's one of the things that bonsai can do as, you know, as a form of art is to share uh, or is it to make a statement um, and to tell a story. And I think the story might be a little on the nose, but I think it's very impactful. Um, the tree itself, I'm look, trying to look a little bit closer. Um, I, I think the two thick branches coming off of the top are throwing me off a bit. I feel like the directionality of the tree is more towards the left, but those two branches are kind of heavy and too heavy to the right. Uh, so maybe keeping something up there for balance, but maybe making the canopy go a little bit off more towards the left. Um, the thing that throws me the most is that because it's a Portulacaria Afra and it's showing the the scene of something that i would think of as like prairie of the united states so i don't know that the tree is the right species to tell this story but because it has no leaves i think it kind of works so i'm i'm a little bit torn on it i i feel this like i can very clearly feel what the the artist is trying to say here but i don't know that the pieces all work together overall and yeah I mean See, my untrained eye tells me that it feels like a full composition to mm -hmm. me yeah. yeah I think I think it does and I like and like I said I think it's it's successful in making its statement um bonsai display generally tries to be a little bit more subtle but again this is not showing a traditional Japanese display so we tend to be a little more on the nose and I think that's Okay, because yeah. we all understand what the, what he's saying here. Yeah. Uh, apart from it being very deliberate in its message, uh, just looking at it technically, like as you know, as far as proportions and stuff, that's that's one of my things I always look at in bonsai displays. Is uh, is everything kind of put together, you know, in a way that the craftsmanship is shown through the way that they have arranged these pieces, because. Uh, I feel like with the stand, the tree that the stand's on, wait. <laughs> the stand that the tree is on? Yep, I said it backwards. I was go. getting I was getting ahead of myself. The the stand that the tree is on, you know, if there was a tree with a stand on it and you can make it work, I think that would be amazing, by the They're way. Someone cool. try to keep start working on it now. But uh but no, the uh the stand is very, very straightforward. I feel like if you're gonna do something elaborate with a lot of pieces, that the stand should be more present in this and draw more to the pot which the pots the pot in my opinion is not really the correct shape 
for the movement and the okay. the texture and the bark color here. Yeah. Um, so I would just change. I would definitely get the tree up higher. It sh- if it's going to be in the distance, as it's suggested in the story that's being told, it really needs to be up and far. Um, and the container, it looks like there's some some other dead grasses in there to really try to draw the tree to the other pieces. And I don't think the grasses in the pot are all that necessary. If you had more surface in that pot, if you had more of a landscape style container, um, then yeah, you would have more room for that kind of stuff. But it feels like it's kind of all just stuck in there. Um, and whenever you have a really square stand, then you should have a organic shaped stand for your Kusumoto. I think that even though you have a root style stand for your figurine there, it still feels a little too similar. I know that it's like the root stand has like the the kind of biologic feet kind of thing going on there. And then the, the grass is on a flat kind of cut piece, but it's they're both the same shape and the same size. And I just feel like this story could have been told without one of the two pieces. Um, so, you know, maybe use a scroll instead that showed, uh, the North American, you know, in some, in some other different manner or even the grasses, the, you know, there's just a few things here, but yeah, it's not, it's not a bad tree. I mean, the tree does have its own proportion and balance that is nice. It's even with all the movement, it doesn't feel like it's falling over, but I did put the other image where there's a little bit more of a moodier thing where um where the the tree has leaves on it and i feel like maybe the image it was taken at a different angle and it shows that top yeah. branch that shoots back the other way mm-hmm. i like the one that has leaves on it better yeah i okay. feel like the tree itself is more balanced in that hmm. yeah and i think the stand choices are are nicer there um for the for the statue and then i think the having the jita under the kusumono in this would would make sense a very maybe a very small dark jita so that it's very subtle yeah but i I still feel like the the kusumono and the figure are just too similar in proportion Mm -hmm. Um, maybe yeah i think pick one would work just to to be more subtle with with the display there i would love to see this the way that it is with the blue backdrop but photographed the way the darker and moodier one is and here and here's the thing with oh sorry to cut you off carmen i was just gonna say i'd love to see it with six full feet of space or eight full feet you know i'd love to see it spread out how they would do it more in a traditional display i want this tiny display i want more space between the elements Mm. Yeah, and it's it is another thing too. Is like I was thinking about this whenever I heard Matt say I like the the blue backdrop, but wanted to be f- photographed a certain way. You know, for certain shows, there are certain selections of like at nationals. I think there was just black, and when then you have like a curtain drawn on the sides. Mm-hmm. Other shows, like uh, I remember at one point, um, I can't remember what year it was, but Ryan Neal did his Artesians Cup. Is that what oh, that the was artisans, the name of? Yeah, the mm-hmm. Artisans Cup. I mean, uh-huh. um, and that that show was like staged really. It was dark and all that the was, trees yeah, had in an art shot museum on. with lighting. It was very particular. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say the what is really a thing to me about the the version of this with leaves on it 
is the way it's lit mm-hmm. yep. like that i mean you know i mean that's the thing about painting right or anything Phot- photography painting anything is like the way the light is so seeing it against that blue background like and obviously this has nothing to do with like the way you know ac is like styling it but i don't get i am so compelled by it the tree without leaves but i'm compelled by the lighting and, in the other photo yeah see that's you know? so and interesting because so- that's another angle of looking at bonsai as art because when you see it in display in a room it should give you an impact but we're getting a bigger impact here from an image from a staged image with Different certain lighting, lighting well. which is so that's like bonsai as photography so can you compare how do you compare the two you it's just yeah yeah for sure. yeah my yeah, brain's blowing up <laughs> it's that's the kind of perspectives that we need but uh let's move on to the next one it's a it was submitted by let's see let me go down it's submitted by backyard bonsai australia um so this is a tree that's in early development it's the one that's got like a nice little kink in the trunk and it's in a simple square shaped Mm -hmm. pot uh he's telling me that it is a then and i'm the one who should say this because i'm amazing at pronunciations um so he's got it laid out here phonetically for me uh mel aluka uh-huh mel aluka yep it's a alternifolia alternifolia (laughs) yeah what's the common name for this one tea tree so you know like tea tree oil that you like this is it. This is it. I don't know if this is the tea tree, It's but it's in the, that family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you guys don't mind, I'll, I'd wanna go, I'll go first on this one. Um, but yeah, it just right off the bat, I mean, this, this tree is in early development as well. And this was something that uh, he wanted to specify. He's like, this is a native, but he's like, I want you guys to see it and kind of tell me what you guys would you know, start teasing out of this uh, to, to pretty much make the design. Um, so it's it's um it's something to me personally. I like I like to see people use trees from their own range. And I know Australia, there's a lot of crazy trees that I don't really get to see a whole lot of. And I I wish that there was more club shows. Uh, where they just take pictures. I don't care what level the bonsai are at. I just want to see the other species. I want to see what's going on over there because they've got a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, and this tree, I'm guessing tea trees, this looks like it's a conifer from what no, it appears. It's a, it's a, I guess you would say it's just, it's not a conifer, um, but it's, it's like a, really a narrow, it's a real narrow leaf. It, it Okay, but it's almost evergreen. like, very fine kind of like a willow almost when you see them full size they're oh so this has the tendency to be like the leaves are great because they're so small but they actually are leaves it's the image is yeah. a little mm-hmm. uh, it's compressed. hard to tell yeah okay i don't know if this species is really brittle and um and carmen didn't you tell me about you had somebody in australia in your family mm-hmm. my brother lives there okay so you've been there a handful of times so you've probably mm-hmm. seen these in person i think so yeah okay Okay. I don't know about this particular species. Okay. And I mean, I've seen use... a few of them from um, the tree makers. There's another Australian group that posts some of these. And, I mean, this is my first time seeing one. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that I wouldn't 
I, I would love to see one of these in person, but I'll probably never will. Um, so, but the reason why I'm, I'm asking and saying that is that, um, is like, usually whenever I approach a new tree like this, I want to see what's, what is it capable of? Like, are these fragile? Are they brittle? Um, because if it's brittle, I can understand, like, if you want to wire it out, you'll be a little bit less adamant to put some serious compression in those branches. Uh, because my first instinct when I look at that trunk is it's got that that really nice just like comes up and it kinks suddenly and has a nice dramatic just straight shot into the trunk line and my my first approach would be getting that movement and replicating that movement in some of the branches especially early on in the trunk especially if it's going to be the first branch but if the tendency for this tree is to be brittle and to grow up and out then then if it's going to be a native approach like I do with some you know, a lot of my stuff here with the bald cypresses and the elms and stuff that I deal with, then if there's a way that it needs to be approached in that manner, then I I guess it could be done and and just to, in a way that I'm not familiar with Australian bonsai. But one of the things that stands out to me, if it's going to be more of a, a native or a true to form, is that you if you come up that trunk and you you see that where he's got it wired a little bit and you come up uh-huh. to the right and there's those branches that drop down and just go nice and like nice and lateral with the ground that's you guys see what i'm saying there okay um that's interesting the way those branches kind of just naturally lay down and then they give kind of like a triangle shape on their own so if if the intention is to keep the tree tall and kind of just maybe this is its growth habit then try laying all those other branches out in a similar manner and kind of building that giving that feeling through that what throughout the rest of the branch structure and the canopy and uh and I know I don't know what what the capability of this tree is. If you cut it back, if it will back bud off of off, off of nothing, if it's truly like a like a boxwood or an azalea, uh, if it's capable of that, or if it's like more like a like a, a conifer, where if you cut something off, you're kind of like screwed. So, um, so I think it would be interesting in that way. Um, what do you what do you think, Carmen? Um, so how I've seen these before and how I kind of think of them naturally is kind of like how you would find a larch in a bog or something so kind of like like straight up and kind of out a little bit not totally straight maybe like slanted or kind of craggy or you know something that's been a little bit beaten up um so the thing about this tree is that it looks like it was wired to have that kink in the base which is cool that's a cool movement but I think if that's the thing that you're Hold on, here's what, what am I trying to say? I think if you if you can't manipulate the trunk above that kink into a bend, that you have to cut it off and just work with the two thin branches that are left. Um, because I, I I there's no taper there. It's very straight. It doesn't match the the trunk line that's already there. But if you can get a bend in in it, you'll be able to. Um, move it and and try to mimic some of that other movement from lower down up into the tree and then go from there. But if you can't get that um, to bend, then I I personally would probably cut it off and try to regrow a canopy from the the lower more bendable branches that you have further down the tree. But I I also don't know if this one backbuds or how bendy it is. I can't remember from the one time that I've encountered it. Um, not as a bonsai, just as a plant in a garden. Yeah. So, yeah, if, I wish I knew the species better. But I think that it might be too far 
it's already got that that wire bend in the trunk so i don't know that you can do a full natural style with it um so i just would try to Re- continue going it. with those curves oh okay yeah, yeah. And it's, that's another thing too is uh if it is capable of back butting one of the best things you can do is Chop i know it's it a it's in a bone site container and that that's you may have obtained this piece like that or maybe you put it in there but you could put it into a slightly larger container and do a a big cut and then really mm. encourage it um, yeah get a lot of back budding and then grow from if, there if it's possible uh but yeah uh what what you think matt uh a couple things um this first comment is kind of a two for one uh because i didn't say it at the end of the last tree uh that tree that uh we were just talking about that ac posted i would love for him to in the discord uh elaborate on what his intention of that whole you know display was and i would also say about this tree because it's what you're talking about i would love if um whoever submitted this tree would uh find a photo of what like a great example of a matured and styled tree in the species would be like yeah like i would love that uh which is also um a shameless plug for anyone that listens to this podcast that isn't a uh, patron and in the discord um because Come to it, the discord yeah, the casual listener will not us. get those will not get those things uh so if you uh if you want enriched content please uh become a patron and join the discord um but in terms of what i feel like about this tree looking at it it reminds me of an animated tree that mm-hmm. is like personified as like yeah. a, you know like as okay. like uh it almost gives me like a uh like a fantasia style like choreography tree it's got arms and you just yeah, need google it has eyes. arms and it looks like it's you know like doing a dance kind of thing uh-huh. um and that i like, have some drawings to do on top of these trees because after matt's been talking about them because i can see all <laughs> kinds of stuff on them yeah and you can watch like the way that like the trunk you know kind of neurals around <laughs> that it's sort of like um imagine it being like a a tree that is personified like as a woman with like an old style like skirt where like the back uh, kind of know. like comes out like that is what it that's what it looks like to me yeah and but that you know for all the things that so like you know for you guys you're like, this is young and it's in development and all that and that's but like it's evocative as it is here too so that is sort of like the like i can't i can't look away from that yeah <laughs> it's you can't uh, look away from the ladies bustle yeah. yes that's what it, thank you you're welcome that, that's a and that that in <laughs> all joking aside on that too is like like because of how many curves this tree is that just directly goes to the feminine style because there are feminine masculine styles in bonsai and that's something mm. that has to be really paid attention to. So if this tree is very feminine and it's and it's a you know its appearance, then usually feminine trees have more curves in their branches and foliage is not so much of a of a thing that should stand out. The foliage should be thinned out more. Uh, there should be a lighter presence of the foliage on the frame of the tree. Whereas where the masculine tree would be, you know, bold and and have like you know sharp taper and angle uh and more angular branches with like heavy foliage um and then there's mixes of, of that so yeah i could see the feminine qualities in this for sure i mean that 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 kink in that 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 movement right there that's a very feminine quality especially how rounded it is it doesn't have any dead wood 
it's it doesn't have any hard 90s anywhere it's a nice smooth transition oh man yeah i know it's a lot keep, uh, no i'm just trying to keep it clean uh yeah, oh <laughs> <laughs> we are looking at trees mind oh, you oh boy uh, thick thighs save anyway. lives uh, <laughs> uh anyway so we, if, if, now that we got that out of our systems um <laughs> so if we've got some time you guys got uh probably about 10 20 minutes left y'all good mm-hmm. yeah it's fine by me so i did say in a, in the previous episode like yeah we're critiquing trees or being hard on some of these trees it may seem like we don't want to sound like we're jerks so i mean i I'm, can be harder oh but I won't. that's yeah. what she said oh no not she that's a he oh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now that the we went from a, a PG rating to a PG, I'm gonna. 13. Don't worry. <laughs> um. So yeah, we were saying how like we are, we seem so critical on other other uh, works on other trees. So the next image is one of my bald cypresses, and I'm gonna, gonna step back and kind of see. Oh boy! You know, I know there's some things I have to say myself, but this was a first run for this tree. I showed it at the uh, Louisiana Day of Bonsai. This was probably two months ago, maybe, maybe a month ago. You, everything's running together because I've been running around so much recently with, can like you know, little mini shows and stuff like this. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not going to hold any punches on how I feel about my own my own work as well. I remember, um, just a little insight too. Uh, Jennifer Price was at this show and she was the featured artist. Um, and we, and she'd asked me to go through and critique some of the trees that show with her. And we got to this and I was like, well, wouldn't it so happen that my tree was here and we're going to talk about it. And she, one of the things she said to me, she's like, oh, it's hard to critique your own work, huh? And I was like, no, not at all. Oh, it's so easy to critique it's, my own work. It's so easy. It's all garbage. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, oh, hey. I'll no. exactly what's wrong with it and where. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What did you say, Matt? <laughs> I said, hate, 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 hate. Oh, hate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So Matt, what do you think? I want to hear your which, perspective, and then which I'll one get it. is it? It's going to be the the one that's a bald cypress on a uh, stone slab, and it's got pitcher plants to the left of it. It's on the the red cloth. Yeah, okay, that's what I need to know. Don't use fancy bonsai words with me. He doesn't uh, know what bald cypress <laughs> don't, is. Don't tell me directly what the plant is. Just tell me yeah. what the background looks like. <laughs> um, just because you're Mister Bald Cypress. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, how tall is this tree in real life? In real life, this tree is, I think it's about five feet. Hmm. It's okay. a Carmen-sized tree? It's a Carmen-sized bonsai tree. If you stood oh, next my. to it, you'd have to use a stool to work on it. Oof. Um, Yeah, what's interesting about that is like, because how I would feel about seeing this at, in person at a show is yeah. different from looking at this photo of it because it... I keep using the word express like throughout this whole conversation, like all of this conversation we're having, but like, I think that it expresses as a massive tree. Like it, it feels like a redwood. It feels majestic. Yeah. You know, like in all of its own, own way, even though there are parts of it that are very, you know, sparse. Mm. Yeah. And and that's kind of like the thing is uh, we talked about we talk about this every once in a while in the show. Is like, what does a tree look like when it's far away, and what does a tree look like when it's really close up? And so this would be example. And the this this style of of bald cypress is considered to be a far away view, so that's why you kind of feel that way. But yeah, it's, cool, it's, great. 
it's interesting to hear how you said it feels big, even though uh, bonsai is all about scaling. Sure. So I think that's that's that's, inter- that's an interesting comment to me. But uh, go, yeah, continue. I don't on. know. I really need to like go to a a show sometime and like experience trees. Oh, don't worry, we can get you in one. What you doing? Uh, what are you doing in May? <laughs> uh, too soon to tell. Um, yeah, I know it's a little too soon to tell, but there is a show out there that you could attend that's not too far from me in St. Yeah. Louis. So we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just because that's the thing is like, obviously, you know, and it probably has a lot to say about the way that like I kept like coming back to like that stylized photograph of AC's tree where I was like, you know, because I don't have experience of like standing with one. But if this tree is five feet tall, I probably in person, like, you know, in this photo, it feels to me like it's a hundred feet tall. But yeah. even probably standing in front of it at five feet tall, I would still feel like not overwhelmed by it but it definitely has like a a presence you know mm-hmm. yeah like a not large you know i mean try not to use like stupid descriptive words like large or things like that but like it has like it has sort of an imposing presence mm-hmm. just in the way that it you know presents and- for one of the things too is like uh, whenever I was in art school briefly in college, uh, I remember whenever we looked at uh, at pe- other people's work, and I remember one of the teachers that we would do critiques, and that was always like everyone's biggest fear was like, oh, we got to do critiques, not going to sit here and say things about people's work and then put my own work up there. Uh, one of the things that the teacher or the professor would say is like, if you want to describe how it makes you feel, it's okay to say that it feels big or it feels, you know, there's expression in this or that, or I like the color of this, but he's like, never say just like, I like it. He's like, give a little bit of detail about it. You know, and that's kind of one of the things that that's going to be a future idea for the episode where we talk about approaching bonsai material and critiquing trees. We obviously need to do that after uh, this conversation, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, that is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. that's really, the thing that I that I like very much get out of it um I sort of like I'm uh interested to hear what you have to say uh, what do you have to say for yourself about the other piece <laughs> the other piece because it doesn't I mean it only really presents scale to me yeah the uh so the other piece it's Cusimano that's a uh yeah. Saracenia a lot of so that's that's a native carnivorous plant that grows in Louisiana. This, that plant was actually sourced not too far from where the tree was, and so when we display bonsai, I was saying earlier about natives and uh, natives are like they pull on my heartstrings whenever people use natives because that's what I love to do is you know show the the area where the tree comes from, maybe show something that represents the environment, what what time of year it is, and there's no better way to do that with you know with like a native displayed with a Cusimono native because those directly show you what's going on uh, in that time of year. And uh, and so the only my only letdown with this is that this was a test for this tree uh, because it was a local show. So I felt a little bit more open to just putting the trees out there and seeing re- general reactions on how it, on how it displayed. Mm. But that display, the display stand and the tree itself is not exactly how I want it to be displayed, but you know, uh, but yeah, the the 
the accent or the customono uh, is there to give scale and also um, environment. So that's the correct way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Carmen, be, be, as, be as mean as possible, Carmen. Let's see what you got. Um, well, there's one branch at the top so that I don't know. I don't know what to do with and I don't know if it's a matter of that I, I want that low branch to be heavier because the top feels heavier than the lower branch and so I just I want more balance between the amount of foliage I'm seeing up top and down below and so the second branch that's kind of going up and to the right um so like there's the the, the apex and then like two branches kind of parallel to each other the one in the middle there I don't know if it needs to be shortened or if it needs to have an angle change, there's there's something that's a little bit off about the amount of balance, I think. And it might just be the amount of foliage that's at the bottom or that's not at the bottom of the tree. Um, I want that bottom branch thicker, I think. Uh, and then, but I like how round the crown is. I think that's very nice. It shows a lot of age. Um, and then the other critique that I have is I would probably go with a much smaller kusumono with this one because the tree is so big and you want to make that even bigger like you want to you want to even like make the scale of the tree even more impressive so pick a, a shorter a shorter carnivorous plant to go with it um, i think would have a stronger impact there and maybe a lighter colored i'm trying to think what color is that jita is it black yeah it's black but it, i mean i'm totally up for suggestions on what to use because my my take is that when I have a stone slab yeah um I was gonna use like boards like long ways you've seen this a couple of times when you yeah. have a big tree at a at like you've seen this at National Studio they have a mm -hmm. massive tree and the only thing they're like oh let's just get some really nice polished slabs wood. on it mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what I was thinking but there's an if there's another thing I do have time for what I'm trying to set this tree up for mm -hmm. to do some stand options um I would love to do a giant, like formal stand, but it would be one hell of a job because the stand mm -hmm. itself is like right over five feet long. I mean, I it's, mean, I feel like it's fine the slab, on a stone I mean. slab just on the table, like that almost serves as a jita for it. So, I, I like that doesn't really bother me. A stand mm. would be cool. Um, maybe a different color jita under the kusumono, something a little bit brighter maybe and it might just be because it's on red and it's in a picture that I can't tell the color differences because I mean you don't want it to be gray but the black makes it kind of disappear a little bit more so maybe something a little bit I don't know lighter in color maybe a wood to to bring out the color of the bark because really the bark is the only thing that's brown here so maybe something well. closer to that color but uh, I think it's almost there yeah I don't know what it is about the balance it's it's getting me and it, it might also be that it's in a picture it's hard to tell yeah the uh the impact of the branch structure on this tree mm -hmm. um when you see it in person you could see how the the branches are like radi radial around mm -hmm. but when you take a flat picture of such a tall tree then yeah, it takes it's hard it's, to... it takes the lines of the branches and really shows you and yeah. after I, after I photographed this tree I could see that branch that's underneath the crown that's just straight and pokes out awkwardly mm -hmm. Probably yeah. could you use some compression to get it closer. Yeah. Um and so with flat top cypress style, usually the whole thing is that I've had a lot of people tell me is like, um, 
well, if this is a flat top cypress, wouldn't you just go straight for the Von Banting formula and remove all the branches below the crown? No, because that's not how you. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. That's and no. no I mean, I need to hear some. I need to hear some kickback on that. It's because whenever I've gone into flat top cypresses here, it's such a Louisiana thing because mm-hmm. I've seen other people attempt flat tops in different parts of the countries and other parts of the world. And I, it's I don't disagree with those takes, but when you see them in Louisiana, there's a certain way that they look, mm-hmm. and that's what I was I'm going for a very naturalistic approach on it. But at the same time, I'm trying to also honor the von Banting model, and the von von Banting model does say that you would go up that tree, and there might be one branch down there that's mm-hmm. twisted. Like I think most traditional flat top uh, stylings would be. Uh, see that branch on the right side that comes up it has that really sharp kind of it just kind of comes in a little bit then goes out suddenly yep they would leave I've seen this in all other flat top stylings that they would take everything off but that one branch and Mm -hmm. then leave the crown like it is yeah and that's a a traditional model for that tree I think I I like that you're being a little bit more naturalistic and you're leaving more on there because I feel that it is more natural and there's space for that I don't think that doing flat top just one way is necessarily the way it has to be done. I appreciate Ooh. you leaving more foliage because I feel like you see a lot of these trees in the swamps and I mean, not just bald cypress, but like up, up north where you see some of the, the white cedars or the larches, they have that kind of scraggly growth going up the tree before they get to whatever's, you know, left up top. Um, and I think it's, it's cool to show as a bonsai because a lot of times trees are so clean cut and, you know, perfect that you sometimes lose that sense of actually being there. But this one feels very much like you could see it in the wild. And I love that. Yeah. And then, and there's a few things that, you know, now that I'm looking at this image for a long time and we're kind of analyzing it, I think I'll be removing that branch to some extent because I mean, I've still got some time, like I said, before I, I'm going to do what I'm thinking about doing with this tree Mm -hmm. as far as, uh, far as other shows. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. There's, see, this this is where it comes to like, not only am I critiquing, but I'm also, pardon me, um, I'm also uh, just making considerations to the future because this is not going to stay the same. God right, dang, yeah. I'm burping it's going to grow and mature, um, and you're going to have to make different cuts. And and we're yeah. about to approach the fall here, and the leaves are going to fall off of this tree, and I'm going to go in and do a full wire on it. Um, cool. So it it'll be different, but that's the point. Yeah. And there you go yeah. for our listeners who think that. I can't sit here and, you know, take my own medicine when it comes to critiquing. Uh, we're going to do one of Carmen's in the near future, but uh, I think we're, we're ran a little long on this episode. So that will be for a future episode. Hooray. Yep. So, uh, no, uh, no pressure, but it's coming. It's like, um, it's like whenever you're, you have to give a, you give a speech like, uh, back in college, whenever you're like in communications and you have, yeah. And you're like, you're next, but then the bell rings. Exactly. It's that feeling like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh well i guess we'll do yours on friday <laughs> you're like oh awesome and then you go through the whole weekend you're like i'm having a great time and then you get back to the same feeling and um, you're like i was prepared on friday the, oh. nostal- nostalgia fear um yeah. <laughs> the the but, fear of being young and being scared of things for no reason uh they actually have a whole horror <laughs> that's genre. supposed to go away because uh... there's a whole genre of like scary movies and stuff that that's based around uh 
Gosh. One called uh, Skinnamarink, which I think is kind of funny since we're still Ooh, kind of looking at Halloween season. That sounds horrifying. That yep. song is weird. So I can imagine a horror movie just being the worst. I hate everything yes. about this. Oh, I just yes. got the shivers. Skinnamarink is, uh, you should go look it up. Go watch the preview for it. You no, thank it. you. It's this movie. It's like, it's like a found footage style movie where it's like <laughs> the perspective of like being a kid and the house is like super dark and it's just eerie, like shadows in a hallway. And you just look at that for a while, and then the TV's flickering with like the the static, and it's no. And then the skinnamarinkadinkadink song starts playing, and it's like on an old rickety music box. Oh, it could, but yeah, for listeners out there that are fans of uh, scary movies, go check it out. It's (laughs) uh, it's an immersive scary movie. Uh, But anyway, serious listener tale today. I'll tell you later. Oh, yeah, we'll get get it into the next one. But yeah, uh, that's. That's a good solid one for us. Uh, thanks for hanging out, Matt. Hopefully, we can get you on some more ones. Yeah, my pleasure. More yeah. ones, more, more ones, ones, please. Get Matt for more ones, please. A couple of extra more ones. Uh, more ones. But yeah, it's always fun hanging out, talking bonsai, and uh, mm-hmm. and getting some more perspectives and critiques in there. And and we'll have to do a an episode in the very near future where we explain how critiques work instead instead of everybody just seeing this random roadmap of us just saying <laughs> things like this. But anyway. I will catch you guys on the next one then. Sounds good. Bye. All right. Y'all have a great day.